Hey everyone, this is Mike Flanagan. On this episode of the Inside Bowling Show, we're happy to welcome Tommy Jones and DJ Archer to the show. I've known these guys for a long time, and I think you'll see on today's show just how much of a true friendship these two guys have. They share a lot of common interests, and on the show, we talk about their relationship with Mookie Betts. We had a lot of fun with these two, and we think you're really going to enjoy this show. If you didn't know, we also broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube, and you should head over to those accounts by searching Inside Bowling to watch the program and check our schedule for future episodes. If you're enjoying our show, please do us a favor, subscribe to our podcast, and leave us a review. It would certainly mean a lot to us. Also, if you want to get involved with the program and help support it, you can save 15% over at InsideBowling.com, which helps support the show, and you can use coupon code IBSHOW for that savings. Again, elements from today's show were intended for both video and audio. We apologize if at some point in the show you can't quite follow along. This is a great reminder that all of our shows are archived on our YouTube channel. So here we are with episode number 11 with DJ Archer and the new Hall of Famer, Tommy Jones. everybody it's monday and it's show number 11 now already matt can you believe that show number 11 number 11 man this is going by so fast yeah and we almost know what we're doing now um at least now we're to the point instead of begging people to come on the program people are actually hitting us up saying would love to be a guest on your show can you believe that (laughs) happened yesterday yeah it sure did man it's it's been a cool journey so far and we uh I appreciate all the support that we've gotten from all our guests and all of our friends around the industry thus far. Yeah, we've got a bunch of it, but uh, I want to talk about some of the things that happened over the weekend. I feel like maybe uh, we're getting a little bit back to normalcy a little bit when it comes to sports, because we do have actually events happening now that the entire world is tweeting about and talking about two things. We talked about it last week. NFL draft happened. It came, it went. No big blunders out there in the NFL world. They actually pulled it off pretty well. Did you have a chance to watch much of the draft? Yeah, I did watch uh, the draft, and uh, I think it went pretty well. I think they probably did as good of a job as they could have. Um, and, you know, I think it's just cool to see how everybody's adapting and um, to really understand that there's no excuse to keep working, to keep pushing forward no matter what industry you're in or what organization you're a part of. Nowadays, um, technology allows us to continue to work and to strive regardless of uh, our situation. So it's, it's cool to see big or- organizations kind of set the precedent um, and show how they're going to adapt. Yeah, I'm really looking forward. You know, Tom Clark last week when he was on our program talked about that they're going to do a PBA league draft at some point uh, in the near future. And when they go to do that, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out and how they produce that show compared to how the NFL did it. You know, obviously a lot more resources with the NFL, but I'm definitely going to be glued to wherever that gets distributed or however that works. I'm looking forward to the PBA league draft since uh, there's been a couple mock drafts and it's been something I've been heavily involved with as well. Speaking of which, Matt, did you see what Sean Rash said yesterday? Uh, he was on um, the Beef and Barnsey show on a special Sunday episode. He had an opportunity uh, to talk. He, he actually brought up my draft strategy. Did you see that? Yeah, I did catch that. And uh, I see your head just getting bigger and bigger. By any Anytime anybody acknowledges that your draft strategy wasn't that far-fetched, you start uh, going a little crazy. Yeah, and that Milwaukee team is what I drafted. And everybody says Marshall Holman would be going crazy if and he would never draft all left-handers on his team. Well, I I, I hate to bust the news to everybody, but we're gonna get the answer to this. But you're gonna have to wait a little bit. It's gonna be a week, uh, a week from Monday, a week from today, actually, 
Marshall Holman's going to be on this show, and we're going to ask him that exact question and try to convince him to pick all lefties for the Milwaukee franchise, which I'm sure our guests that we're going to have on here in a few moments, DJ Archer and Tommy Jones, would completely disagree with, but we'll get their opinion when we bring them on. But uh, pretty excited to have Marshall Holman on the show a week from today as well. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to see all the legends that we're getting to come on the show. We had CDB last week. We had uh, broadcast uh, announcers, Dave Amon, Dave Ryan, um, and, and big industry professionals, Tom Clark coming on as well. So it's been pretty cool uh, to see how well-received this has been and to see all the love that we're getting from everybody all around the industry. And we definitely want to uh, thank all the people that are watching the program right now and interacting with us on Facebook Live and on YouTube. And over the weekend, I had an opportunity to uh, invest some time into an app called Anchor, where you can actually upload all of your audio portions of the program to the Anchor app, and then they'll distribute it on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. And so far, we're approved for Spotify, and we're also at anchor.fm forward slash inside bowling. So if you want to listen to the audio versions while you're working out, or if you're out cutting the grass, or whatever it is that you like to do when you listen to audio podcasts, our shows are now archived on there. I archived the first week, and then over the course of the next couple of days, I'll get the next episodes up, including today. I also record a little intro and a little outro, a little bonus information as well uh, as we are trying to distribute this thing to more and more places and provide more value. Looks like Emily LaPlante, what does she say here? Can the fans ask questions in the chat to your guests? Because I got questions for them. And Emily, I think Emily was the first person today that she was, was. Sending us comments, wasn't she, Matt? She sure. She said so excited. And the answer is, Emily, absolutely. Fire away with whatever questions you got for Tommy and for DJ. Maybe questions for both of them to answer at the same time. Uh, but this is a completely interactive show. We want to get as much input, um, as many questions, as many comments as we can from uh, the people that are watching. So feel free to fire away um, and to ask whatever questions that you have for Tommy and DJ. Yep. Not for us, though, because we don't want to talk. We don't want to do any of the work. We're just bringing the famous guests on for us, and uh, and then they do it all for us. Yeah, we also want to thank Love Jones. Love Jones has been promoting our show and on every single broadcast. He has perfect attendance, so thank you, Love. The other thing I wanted to uh, jump into real quick before we do get to our guests, the other big topic in sports over the weekend is we are a sports show here. And as we mentioned on the very first episode, Matt wants to talk about bowling. I want to talk about everything else, which would be interesting with our guests today, because I think they like to talk about everything else, too. So it'd be cool yeah. to see you try to handle that today. But the uh, MJ documentary, uh, episodes three and four last night, your reaction, Matt, to the MJ documentary? I think that what came out of it, at least for me, was how much of or how incredible of a coach Phil Jackson was and how just working not only in different organizations and sports, outside of sports, whatever it is, you have to really understand how you can get the most uh, out of everybody that you have in your organization, on your team, and how he just understood Dennis Rodman. And Dennis Rodman has just been this, like, if you look at, at it from the outside in, he's just kind of like this big question mark. You know he's a great basketball player, um, but these stories that keep coming out of this documentary, like like Dennis Rodman going to Vegas for 48 hours and Michael Jordan having to go chase him around um, and wake Dennis Rodman up, and Dennis Rodman walks into practice in pajama pants, Um you know, it's just really cool, funny stuff that you obviously most people wouldn't have known without this documentary coming out. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, I do, too. So let's bring in our guests because I think that's a good uh, transition. I'm not going to introduce them per se. I just want to get a reaction to this, what we're talking about right now, because I know they're sports fans. want to bring them up. Matt, let's welcome in DJ Archer and Tommy Jones at this time. Guys, uh, I want to ask, I want to start with you, DJ. Who would you say is the Dennis Rodman of the PBA Tour? Who needs time away? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it just kind of depends on how they, you, you know, it's with bowling. It's kind of about how their, their year is going. Um, so if I had to say the Dennis Rodman of the PBA tour. Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's a hard one. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Simonson because okay. Simonson can be a little bit like he can just go like i don't want to say go crazy but like he can just go off and just start like wondering like i mean he'll just like go walk around or you know just like i picture simonson walking down the street in vegas at like three in the morning like down on the old strip just i mean looking at these crazy people so if i had to guess i would say simonson and tommy what about you who would you think would be 
Simonson's a good call, but I would go I would go with Jacob because Jacob's been known to go on a bender for about 48 hours before, uh, especially at the U.S. Open the one year in Wichita when he bowled A squad and didn't have to bowl till C the next day. And uh, he went on a bender and then came back and just put a, a big number up that night. But uh, those are two, you know, I'll, I'll agree with Simonson, but uh, Jacob's with Butters would be my guy. See, see, and, and I would go Norm Duke, and not Norm Duke because of the way that he behaves off the lanes, but because Norm uh, back in the day would bowl and win and then take two weeks off right afterwards and need, need a refresh. And uh, that the vacation that he needed, you know, for 48 hours, I kind of uh, put that with Norm Duke. But, guys, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. I know you guys have been watching every single one of our shows. What do you think of the show so far, guys? I think it's awesome, Mike. Um, you know, this is something that you're really good at. Um, something you've been doing for a while. So I appreciate, uh, you know, I appreciate you giving us bowlers and, you know, people, you know, out there just something to uh, tune into every day. And uh, Farber's doing a wonderful job. He, he's a great, uh, great, I want to say co-host to you, Mike. So uh, you guys keep it up and, uh, you know, we'll continue to, to keep watching the shows. Tommy, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to my fans. I haven't seen one of your episodes. I've been playing golf, and I refuse to give Farber any kind of comment or any kind of credit like that. So our uh, compliments. So you know, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna keep it real here. Just just before the program, you shared with us, Tommy, that the reason why you're here on a Monday, and and I just happened to ask you to come on on a Monday is because why? It's the only day you're available, I guess, right? Well, the golf course is closed on Monday, so uh, Tuesday through Friday, if you need me, I'll be on the golf course. And unless you want to do this about. 6:45 in the morning before I go about you know 5:45 your time I'm probably not going to probably not going to be one of the guests that you asked to come out come on So Tommy tell me um you you two are quarantined together is that right you and DJ are together Yeah he's actually upstairs and I'm downstairs so uh you know it's just it's actually been it's actually been pretty nice to have someone else here uh you know Danielle's here and and I have my child and, and my dogs and obviously DJ's been playing some golf with me, playing some uh, PlayStation and and just hanging out. So it's good to have a, an extra voice here to kind of keep everything, keep everybody's spirits up and talk, have someone to talk to. Now, now, DJ, all bowlers become friends, even Farber in the upper right-hand corner here as we've all become friends. But tell me a little bit about your relationship with Tommy Jones. How, how did you guys become friends and, and, and how is it that uh, you guys are so close that you guys can be quarantined together without killing each other? Um, well, uh, when I first kind of got out of college, um, and I went on to the tour, uh, Tommy and I started becoming, you know, pretty good friends at that time. He couldn't beat me. So he was like, you know, I think I need to get you in my stable. So, uh, you know, he kind of brought me under his wings and, um, kind of after that point, you know, we became really close. So, you know, for about, um, I don't know, 15, 16 years, we've been pretty much, um, you know, like brothers. And, um, you know, he's taught me a lot, you know, on and off the lanes. And uh, he just kind of took me under his wing. And, um, you know, it's he, he's been a great friend uh, throughout this whole time. And Tommy, is what DJ just said, is that is that true? Is that really how you saw it go down as well? Tell the truth. Not really. I mean, he beat me one best of seven match in Michigan one year. And I mean, I was sick, had the flu, had a thumb, my thumb had ripped open, all kinds of stuff had happened. But, you know, I mean, everybody remembers their one Super Bowl. You know, some people just play more. <laughs> oh, my God. The shots are fired. We're not wasting any time today. No, we're, we're not, not at all. Uh, we've got, uh, some bowling stuff. That's what people are here to, to, to listen to. And, and we will talk about some other things and get off topic a little bit later in the show, but, uh, let's start with, uh, let's start with Tommy Jones, uh, man, I believe you have, uh, a moment, uh, recently that Tommy Jones has, uh, has recently done here on the PBA tour this year, uh, arguably his greatest moment of all time. Let's pick it up here in the 10th frame at the hall of fame classic. Let's watch this back. At this point, do you think you were going to possibly shoot 300 here, Tommy? You think you had it? Uh, for sure. I mean, I was doing – I was just hitting hitting as hard as I could, and I'd already got a chance to get all excited because I'd struck in the night to win the title and, you know, had a chance to kind of relax and everything else. And, you know, I mean, if I would be lying if I didn't tell you my heart was pounding out of my chest, but I was doing something maxed, and it was pretty much just getting it online and, 
you know, DJ was actually there over to the right and I could see, uh, you know, I could see him. He told me to calm down in between and I had uh, my mom, Ella and Danielle over to the left. So, you know, it was just one of those weeks where everything was calm. Technical difficulties going on here. Okay. okay. So here's, here's, let's, uh, let's bring up the, uh, we'll watch the first shot again. Then we'll watch the second shot here again. He's got the bull Derek, the perfect 10. So you got the 10 in a row and going into the 11th shot, uh, you just said you thought you had this thing in the bag already. So 11th shot, what, what did you think of this one? That was pretty good. And then there I kind of looked over and told Mike Alby, I said, it's on, you know, cause you know, I was pretty, pretty confident that, uh, you know, things were going to be okay. I, I was, I was hundred percent confident I was going to hit the pocket <laughs> whether or not it struck or not was going to be a different, different case. And then I was trying that, yeah, that, I was that, Oh, go ahead, DJ. Sorry, Mike. I was trying to figure out how we were going to spend that 10000 at the casino that night because we were going to, you know, that was the plan is we were going to, um, after the TV show, we were going to go to the Windstar Casino. And um, that, that's really all I could think about was, hey, Tommy, let's get this 10000 so we could, you know, have a good time tonight. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I don't really cry too much in my lifetime. And that, that moment there is, is kind of when I, you know, had a little – you know, like a little hiccup and I was, I was happy for him. And it was, it was a lot of fun to be there to see that. Funny yeah. thing about going to the casino was I didn't know the show was Aaron behind me and we we're sitting there and I was playing poker at the casino and this guy's like kept looking at me and I was like, Do I have like a hanger or something. What's going on? Like, something's wrong here. And uh, he's like, finally, after about 10 minutes, him staring me down. He's like, is that you? And I was like, yeah, that's me, blah, blah, blah. And then we kind of sit there and chat, and I got to, you know, kind of got to watch the show. I was trying to get a bet, and I said, hey, man, this guy's, I bet this guy's going to get a strike here, and no one would take it. <laughs> we'll take it back to this question here from Emily when she asked, how'd you keep yourself so calm and focused during that Hall of Fame Classic when you shot the 300? You look so calm and collected during it. Well, I, obviously, after the ninth one, you know, I looked over, and DJ told me to calm down. Um, and then, you know, I got another minute kind of break to kind of tell Darren, Hey, you know, good game. You're going to win things like that. Then I threw the 10th one and then came back and kind of just told my, you know, just kind of did like this, everything calmed down. And then after the 11th one, I took a re-rack just so I would have an extra, you know, 15, 20 seconds to, to get out, to get my emotions back in check and, and just kind of focus back on what was going on. You know, yeah, I believe you have a, a, a another. I don't know if you have a follow up question for Tommy, but we also have something for DJ here. He mentioned that yeah, he was, that just he was uh, these things. Yeah, just one, just one quick follow up question for Tommy. You said you knew you were going to hit the pocket on that level shot. Like you could tell throughout the game, you knew you you were lined up, and it was just a matter of whether or not you were going to carry. Um, you told me a story one other time, or the beginning of a story, that there was one tournament you were bowling where you couldn't sleep the night before because you knew you had the berries and you knew that it was game over. You were going to win no matter what, what was the, what's the full story behind that? Cause I only heard, I only heard that little tidbit. <clears throat> so we were bowling in uh, a world bowling tour in Saudi Arabia. And the format was eight games. Uh, I think we were down to 16. It was eight games that were cut into five. Um, but it was only 16 bowlers at that point. And the day before, I mean, like I'd kind of limped through qualifying and then the previous round, cause they do rounds about the day there. I had moved a little bit right and started throwing it as hard as I could throw it. And nobody else in the field could throw it that hard. So I was like, oh, I have it because, I mean, I led this the, that round by like, I don't know, 200 pins in eight games, which is a lot. And then uh, came back the next day and I just I just knew that I had it. But, you know, we're on a different time zone. Um, Got to throw it hard. And it was just really hard to get my brain to shut off and sleep. And I actually didn't lead. Uh, Michael Mack led. He bowled unbelievable. He beat me by like 20. And then in, over there, you have to beat the person who leads twice. So I won the semifinal match, and then I had to beat him twice. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you know you got it, it's, there's not very many times in life that that's happened. That's, that was the only time I've ever not been able to sleep because I knew I had it. Um, if I'd had to go take a nap before the 10th frame and come back and get loose the next day, it would have probably been a similar, similar scenario. Got it. That's cool. And, um, yeah, DJ, shifting to you now, you know, you'd say, you said you don't really get emotional. You're not really a crier. Um, I want to pull up this mm -hmm. this victory of yours um, from 2014. And, you know, it's funny that you said that because when I think DJ, I think of like, you know, cool, calm, collected DJ. He just likes to wear, you know, like 
sweatpants, some Jordans, and just like just walks around. He's just chill. He's just too cool for everybody else. Um, but in this win um, at the Chameleon Championship, you you get really emotional. So I just want to watch this and maybe talk us through it. Talk about what was going on in your mind and your life um, when you get up here or when you're going into this event. Yeah, um, that's a good question, Mike, because, you know, leading up to that event, you know, uh, a few months prior to that, my mother, my mother had passed away. And um, that's something that she always wanted me to do was, was to be successful and to win a title. And so, this tournament was really, you know, it, it kind of, I had a chance early on in my career to, to win. And, you know, I was, I was young and I was nervous and it was at a major. So I felt like this was a good time for me to kind of put my foot through the door. And, you know, it's kind of like what Tommy was saying about that is, you know, normally when I can, obviously this is a long time ago, so I throw it a little bit different than I do now, but um, I felt like this was my tournament to win. And um, what's crazy about this is, you know, we had had the qualifying for this event about four days prior to this. And I kicked one of the bags and I almost broke my right toe. So it made me it made my legs go really slow. That's probably the best shot I've ever thrown in my entire life. You nutted all three of these in the tent. Like there's no doubt off your hand in any of these. Right. And 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 that's the thing that you you grow up and you know, kind of like what Tommy was talking about, you know. I just felt like that that was my time. And uh, you know, like I said, I felt like that was the best shot that I threw throughout the whole game. And um, you know, I just I stayed down and I made a good shot and you know, unfortunately, you know, what was crazy is is Ronnie had both 300 the game before that in the shootout round. So I felt like that was, you know, on my side as well. Cause no, normally after someone's bulls 300, they kind of have a little letdown, but uh, right. you know, it was just, uh, it was my day. So. Yeah. I knew you, I knew this one was a guaranteed strike. Cause you kept that trail leg on the ground. And I was like, shoot, if DJ's going to keep that trail leg on the ground on this one, it's, it's game over. And you can you know, tell it, you can tell like how emotional you don't even know what to say or what to do. And you give Dell a big hug here. What kind of role do those guys, those tour reps play when it comes to being out on tour and giving you guys, not only just like bowling support, but emotional support and just like support as a friend. Yeah. Um, Dell and I are pretty close, you know, and, and, and back then, like I said, 2014, we wasn't as close as we are now. So, um, you know, you can see Callahan there in the back, you know, he was a big help and Schlimmer was there, you know, but uh, I wanted Dale to be by my side because he, he kind of, he knows a, a little bit of, I mean, he knows about me. He knows how my, um, you know, my emotions are, you know, sometimes I get really emotional and, you know, when it comes to bowling and stuff like that. So he was, he was there to kind of calm me down and, you know, it, it was just good to, for him to be there so I could give him a hug and, you know, tell them that, you know, I appreciate it. You know, um, I had lost my father as well, you know, when I was 22. So um, I really didn't, you know, losing my mother, you know, a few months before that, you know, and my father had passed away. So he was kind of, I don't want to say like a role model as my dad type thing, but he's someone who I looked up to and kind of talked to and, you know, and, and he kind of helped me, he helped me through the whole game. And it was, a, it was an awesome feeling for sure. DJ, I was there that day. Um, you and I go back until I think I was trying to figure it out before the show. I think I was about 16 years old and you and I met each other at a junior regional tournament, I think somewhere in the South. I don't remember if it was Texas or Baton Rouge, Baton, Baton Rouge. Rouge. Yeah. Louisiana. And we, got to, I mean, we've known each other a long time. Yeah, for sure. And I remember that particular day I was working for storm and roto grip and, and you got the W with those guys. And I was handling the media that day. Like I, like I do now currently for the Brunswick family of brands and, I got to interview you right afterwards and that was a special moment uh, for me for sure. And, uh, really came full circle there. I was really proud of that moment for you. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. And I look back at it all the time because I, I mean, I only have two wins, so I haven't, you know, I, I haven't been, you know, like Tommy and, you know, a bunch of other guys who have a lot of titles. So when I get those moments, I try to cherish them a lot and, and hopefully, you know, moving forward, you know, um, I'm able to capture, you know, a few more titles, but, um, you know, if not, you know, I'll look back at, uh, at, at that one. Obviously that was my first one. So that's one that I'll remember the most. Um, and then I have a doubles title with Bob learn where, 
you know, I always give him a hard time. He almost threw me in the river. Um, he missed a 10 pin in the ninth frame. We were bowling Walter Ray and EJ and we had pretty much the match sewed up and he left a 10 pin in the ninth frame and he, I think he made the nickel and, uh, he pretty much just had to, you know, at that point in time, I had to, you know, get a mark or a strike in the 10th. I can't remember. And, uh, I was able to, to do that, you know? So, um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I only have a few of those moments, so, you know, I'll cherish them, you know, until the day I die and, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. Tommy, uh, let's talk a little bit about DJ for a moment. Obviously you've been friends with the guy for a while now and he's like a brother to you. He's got a unorthodox style. You would say on the PBA tour, either DJ's got, got a good look or he's pretty much lost and clueless uh, from what you've seen over the years. It's feast or famine with DJ style. Uh, what is what are some of the strengths of DJ's games, and, and why does he only have two titles on tour? A couple weaknesses uh, that you talk to him about. Well, DJ likes to play inside, so whenever you get to play in and and the, and the lanes transition, and you can throw it slower. You know, he's normally ahead of the transition, so his scores are higher. So I think he, he led that tournament. Um, you know, but when you play in, it's really hard to keep your hand underneath it and get it rolling. So when the patterns are shorter and the patterns are a little more crisp coming out of the pattern. He can't really roll it enough to kind of survive. He can still keep up late, but, you know, the guys on tour are so good that he just gives too many pins away early in the blocks. Um, but with that being said, you know, there's specialists out there. and You know, he still gets some checks those weeks to survive and then waits for, you know, waits for his week and and is there to take advantage of it. You know, he still makes some shows whenever the formats are, you know, it doesn't matter the format. If it's long format, short format, whatever, if he gets to play in, he's a factor from the get. That's what yeah. you and he also gets picked on the PBA league every year, which goes to show the type of teammate that he is as well. Yeah. I mean, he's, he keeps everybody up. He's funny. Uh, you know, I can't say that I've, we probably had two spats in 20 years, but you know, we love to be around each other. We have a good time. Uh, he always keeps me laughing and everything else. And, you know, funny that Matt said that he, you know, keeping his trail leg down anytime we go practice, that's what I tell him. I say, Hey, you got to keep your trail leg down. Cause if he keeps his trail leg down, he can throw it much harder. If he gets his trail leg up, he just gets his, everything ahead of him. He can't throw it hard. And I make fun of him all the time, but something that size can only throw it 15 and a half miles an hour. I don't get it because it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you got a semi going to the foul line. You'd think you'd be able to throw a 15 pound object pretty, you know, a decent speed. That's the first thing I thought about when Matt said, man, his trail legs stay down. Cause you know, Tommy's right. Every time we go practice, he's always like, Hey man, focus on keeping your trail leg down. And, you know, that's uh, that's crazy that Matt just, you know, pointed that out on seeing one shot. So Matt's, Matt's got a pretty good eye. He's been around some pretty good coaches. And yeah, he's he freeloading with the O'Keefe for, for two years. He, he learned those things pretty yeah. quickly. So, uh, he's got a good eye. We've had some good times at Team USA camp where, you know, we've done some work together. And, you know, Matt's seen some things that, you know, I do wrong. And, you know, O'Keefe, everything. is So you can tell the guys at bowl and have a good eye. Yeah, but I will say one thing is that regardless of the fact that I may be able to see some things, I'll never tell you guys to do some like versatility drills, and I'll I'll never I'll never tell you guys uh, <coughs> <laughs> really be uh, better bowlers because uh, I'm not going to make the same mistake that my fellow uh, my fellow buddy Andrew Anderson made that one time. Uh, I don't know if we want to get into details here, but I'm it was really honestly guy. one of the greatest. Days of my life were sitting there. We just got done bowling the world championships in Hong Kong. Meanwhile, the lanes are brutally impossible, and Barney is missing the head pin in both directions, and he's just on tilt. They were the hardest I've ever seen them. Like, I've never bowled a tournament for the whole week that they were that hard. Bowled the week, and then Barney had actually set up an exhibition for me and him and Andrew to go over to another bowling center, stay like two more days, you know, paid gig do the whole deal. We're sitting there and there's like a little prize fund and we're like, Hey, we're just going to go out here. We're going to, we're going to chop this prize fund up. But we're going to bowl for a little bit. You know, somebody's going to win, blah, blah, blah. Barney is still bowling terrible and they are stonewalled. You can't miss the pocket. And Andrew looked at him with a straight face and said, Hey, Chris, if you want, I got some versatility drills for you. If you want to try those. <laughs> I lost it. I didn't know what to say. I was like, Wow. Okay. Whatever you say, buddy. It's great. Yeah. Now he goes by the nickname Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call him on the Beef and Barnsley show. They call Andrew Eileen. For oh, him. wow. Buddy. 
training aids to get better at bowling. Good times, man. That's hilarious. But uh, yeah, uh, man, I can't even I can't even imagine um, telling one of the most versatile bowlers of all time. <laughs> yeah. To be to be 100% fair, he wasn't very versatile that week. The only That's thing he was versatile fair. at was which way he was going to miss the head pin. <laughs> because oh, it was bad. That's funny. That's great. We got a non-bowling question here for the both of you. We'll let DJ take it first from Guy Pryor. writes in and says, non-bowling question. Do you prefer country or city life? Oh, country. Country. I grew up in a small town <clears> with <throat> only about, uh, well, when I left the town, I was 19. So there was only like, 20,000 people there. So, um, no, I grew up in the, uh, in the country. Um, I mean, obviously now, you know, city life, you know, all the traveling and stuff, not, but, um, if I had to pick one, I would definitely pick the being in the country. How about you, Tommy? Definitely the country life too. Uh, I hate traffic. I hate all the stuff that, uh, that goes with it. Um, my girlfriend's from New York, from Long Island, up right from where Matt's from. And I hate going up there. It was impossible. But, uh, you know, this little area I live in here is growing. It's getting too big. But, you know, there's nowhere else that I could pick that I would want to live. Everywhere I've traveled, everything else with the cost of living, how the people treat you, um, things like that. It's just uh, this is home. Now, Tommy, you uh, you bowl and you like to play golf and you like to play video games. DJ, tell us something else that Tommy likes to do outside of those three things that he mentions all the time. What else does uh, Tommy enjoy to do? He's very, very active on his phone. He he has these. He plays pineapple. He is very. I, I mean, literally, if you see Tommy, he's either golfing, bowling, or on his phone playing pineapple. So uh, you know, he just he he's very he's very. Um, what is the word I'm trying to do? He likes competition so um anything that he can play you at you know he's going to be very good at it because he hates to lose you know um so yeah he, he's he's a good card player i'll say card player i'm pretty good at a lot of things that don't matter as matt has mentioned before but tommy and i squared off in a battle at a sports bar sometime i believe it was last year where we both eyed up this uh bubble hockey checks hockey game and I, I want to set this up to let Tommy go ahead and tell the rest of the story. But it's Russia versus the United States. And I believe I was the United States. And all of the gears on my guys were working perfectly fine. And Tommy took the side where one of the guys had a bit of a stripped gear, couldn't really handle the puck very well. And I'd like for you to go ahead and set the scene here of, of how many games we played and, and, the, and the end result. Well, we played best of three. Obviously, the first game, you had the the working gears USA. So then the second game, we obviously switched. You won the first game. I won the second game. And then we flipped a coin for the third game because that was the fair way to do it. And, you know, like my luck, I ran, I ran bad, and I ended up on the bad gear side. But sometimes talent just rises. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I had a couple one-timers to get to, to get the get Russia home. I think I got them home uh, three to two. And, um, you know, it's just what happened. I'm not a communist, but at the end of the day, I was the winner. And that's a perfect example of what you just said, DJ. Tommy likes to be competitive in everything huh. that he does. And I realize he's an Xbox guy, but you just told us before the show that you have a PlayStation 4 as well because you two guys are playing a game. What game are you playing, DJ? We're playing uh, the MLB The Show 2020. So I'm not a big, like, I'm not a big gamer guy. Like, so, you know, with this whole quarantine situation and you're stuck in the house, I'm like, man, I'm just going to have to play this game. It's baseball. And it's almost real life. It, it's really, the game is really, really good. The features are good. You know, and um, so we started off when we started playing and he just beat me like a drum for like three, like literally like two or three days. And I was like, man, screw this. I'm not playing no more. So I took like a week break and he started playing like every morning he would, you know, he would get up and I would, you know, we'd be eating breakfast or something. And he would go straight to the game and he would start playing people online and they were just beating him like a drum. And I'm like, all right, let me get back in here to make him feel good. Well, as soon as I got back in there, Mike, I beat him like two or three games in a row. Oh, and he was like, man, I just can't believe this. He hasn't been playing. I've been practicing every day and I can't beat him. So, um, now, you know, now it's been, uh, this morning uh, he won this. We played a series this morning. We always play a series of three and, uh, you know, we pick each other's teams 
And then if we tie, you know, obviously if, if I win one game, he wins one game, then we go to the American League. Then we go to the All-Stars. So uh, he'll play with the American League and I'll play with the National League. And then, you know, we'll play another series. And if it happens, we'll flip-flop. Well, he has a hard time. He, like, he doesn't throw fastballs. So my timing is not very good. So he gets these Mickey Mouse pitchers that all he wants to do is throw curveballs and change-ups. Yeah. Yeah. Furlander, I mean, uh, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, so we went on a um, not today, not you know, yesterday. Like he'd beat me five games in a row leading up to this morning. Finally broke the streak, won a game, then he wins, and then he wins the national game. But before that, um, I won like three, like three or four series in a row, and he was you know, just. It was your last performance, DJ. Remember? Yeah, and he was just he was going to bed mad, you know, because we always play the series before bed at nighttime. And he'll just throw the remote and just, you know, head upstairs and go night-night. So, um, yeah, so the MLB show is, is, is an awesome game. Um, you know, we're super competitive. We're sitting in front of the TV, standing up, we're yelling at the TV. And, you know, it's, it's a good time to keep us uh, occupied right now. So I have an idea for you guys, okay? I know neither one of you guys are huge social media folks. And just the fact that you're on our program today is a real blessing and a real treat for us to have you guys on. But a little bit of an idea here. I'm sure you guys have heard of Twitch and, and Facebook Live and all these platforms that are available out there. And you do have two guys above you on the screen right now that could help you get started in this avenue. I think this would be epic to some way, somehow show your fans that you guys are doing this. I would probably lose half of my business just watching you guys spending the time watching you guys play these video games against each other. So just food for thought. Maybe you guys might want to try that, huh, Tommy? The problem is it's not PG-13. Right. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. So yeah. We, 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 you're going to have to like come up with all these like ratings and come up with all these other things. And then, you know, we're yelling, sailing how bad Mookie is because he stinks on the game. He hasn't got a hit yet. He strikes out and I'm going to call him and yelling at him. I mean, it's his fault. Dude, he's terrible. And that's what's funny oh. is, is, is we called him the other day, Mike, and we were like, dude, you're, they made you so bad on this game. <laughs> And he's like uh, Mookie Betts, the all-star outfielder that now plays for the Lions. Uh, he won't be an all-star if he keeps playing like he does in this game. He'll be sitting yes. on the bench in, in Anaheim. Yeah, that's who we're talking about, Mike. They they made him so bad on this game. It's not he even can't get a hit. Yeah, I mean he can't he can't hit. So like in his swing, like I've seen him play a lot of baseball. Like and 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 I feel like I know what his swing looks like. And they have his swing messed up. They have his stance messed up. And I think he was bowling. Uh, he must have been bowling when they did the yeah. video. <laughs> he might be better on the PlayStation bowling game. Yeah. So that's funny. So speaking of Mookie, you guys are obviously pretty close. You guys can just climb up and tell me stinks. So I want to put you guys uh, in the hot seat right now. And I want to run you guys through a little bit of a Mookie Betts trivia. All right. You guys can answer together, work together, put your heads together. Um, some of these are layups. Some of these probably are kind of random. You might not know. But if you guys are as big of Mookie fans as I think you are, I think you guys might be able to come up uh, with the answers. Does that sound good? Sure. And you, right. guys, you guys are playing. You guys are playing for something today, okay? Um, you gonna me, you're finally going to give me a shirt? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm going to do. You guys are playing for inside bowling T-shirts, okay? And anybody else who wants to go out and get inside bowling T-shirts can save 15% with coupon code IV Show. So, yeah, you guys are each playing for a T-shirt here. Uh, if you guys win, you guys get T-shirts. Okay, so here we go. All righty, here we go. Uh, question one, where did Mookie Betts play college baseball? He didn't play college, but he had signed with UT. Nice. Nicely done. So answer number one. You're Allie, right. just give him a let, slam dunk, why don't you? Well, you're on. You're up number two. Some of these are layups. Some of these are a little bit more difficult. So okay, okay. One, that was a little bit of more of a layup. Question number two. We're getting a little bit more difficult here, potentially. Maybe not. Question Tommy. Round. The thing is, Tommy's like on his phone or having his yeah, girlfriend see, get I, on the I'm phone. I'm on my phone right here. Like, okay. here's my hands right here. Yeah. What round was Mookie selected by the Boston Red Sox in the 2011 draft? That's a good question. I'm going to say the um, – oh, yeah. That's what I, I'm going to say the third round. You guys can coordinate together now, remember. Yes, yes, oh, we're, we're playing, playing together? together? Yeah, uh, I want to go one, two. I have the I have the odd. He has the even. We see who gets the most. We're competing. That's the way this is going. Yeah. Oh, okay. So okay. they're competing. I like it. I'm gonna All say right. the I'm gonna say the third round. DJ, third round. Tommy. I say he was drafted in the fourth round. All right, and the answer is I the think... 
round. Fifth round, yeah. So, yeah. I, so I get the should I get the point because that was closer? No, no, no. This isn't horseshoes here. This is this is. I mean, at that time, we only talked to all stars. He was a fifth rounder. <laughs> you guys are brutal. All right, third question here. So if you guys didn't know that one, this one's going to be a little hard. All right. What pick in the 2011 draft was Mookie? Well, the fifth round, 30, 172. I'm going to say 152. And the answer is Tommy, 172. Oh, my. Well, that's so that's so. That was a straight shot in the dark. (laughs) Doing numbers. This is unbelievable. I'm good with numbers. I go ahead and send that shirt. I'll take a I'll take a medium husky. <laughs> medium husky. <laughs> we got to talk to Nate see if we got some medium huskies left over. All right, question number four: Which team did Mookie hit his first career Grand Slam against in 2014? Go ahead, Tommy. I think I know this one actually. This is your number four, bro. It's your question. I'm gonna say Baltimore. Well, he's he's really oh, looking. Uh, I'm not he's looking, really looking at them. I'm not looking right here. Up here after you just typed the question into it. Okay, look, look. Pull up my phone. Nothing here. Um, Jesus. Uh, Kansas City. All right, and the answer. I would have gone in the division for yeah, sure. Yeah, in the in the division, Tom. It's either Baltimore or Toronto. It's one of those two. All right, and the answer. The Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, there you right. go. So you're 0 for 2, so I've almost got you shut out. <laughs> yeah, we've only got two more questions here. Oh, so, I've got you shut uh, out. You're dead. Uh, question number five. What is Mookie's real name? Marcus. 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 All right. Boom. A little bit Marcus of Lynn Betts. Marcus Lynn Betts. So, you guys, this is this is it here. Um, I'm at 3-0. Oh. I mean, can you at least get one of your own questions right? Yeah. All right, here we go. Question number six. Jesus. Which team did Mookie hit for the cycle for the first time in his career? <laughs> I mean, he. I'm saying Baltimore again because he he pounds Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah, didn't he hit four home runs in like one game? Or yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him at Camden Yards. Well, I don't. I don't want to say Camden Yards, but you know, he he just he, he loves that park. Like he just he has like eleven homers at Camden Yards out of a hundred or something. It's pretty sick. I'm going to say Baltimore, uh, Farber. All right, CJ. Uh, I'm okay. I will go Baltimore too. And the proper answer is the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay. I mean, I got my questions right, so that's all that matters. (laughs) Thanks for playing, Bob. The winner of today's T-shirt from InsideBowling.com is the young man in the bottom right-hand corner, Mr. Tommy Jones. Congratulations, Tommy. It's awesome. You know, I appreciate all my fans coming out, but the, the 172nd pick out of here straight from no man's land is uh, pretty impressive. That, that was, that was a great guess. That was a great I did the math in my head, you know, got to do that. Got to do it right off the dome. So let's follow up with this Mookie stuff. So you guys are like really close friends with Mookie. How, how did that come about? Um, I will, I mean, I guess I answer that first. So the first time he bowled the uh, World Series of Bowling in Reno, um, me and uh, Cameron Doyle. So Cameron Doyle was like, you know, they live close together. So they were pretty close. And, uh, you know, I just asked Cam one day. I said, hey, man, I said, um, do you mind after speaking with Mookie throughout the week? You know, I was just asking him questions and, you know, about baseball. And all he wanted to talk about was bowling. And I was like, bro, let's talk about baseball. Like, so, you know, just a little interaction there. And then I asked um, I asked Cam one day, you know, when we were out there, I said, hey, man, do you mind giving me Mookie's number? And he gave it to me and, you know, you know, move it fast forward into the spring training. Um, you know, I always watched him in a couple of days. You know, there was a couple of days he had, you know, he had a homer and like the next day he went like two for three or something like that. So I just shot him a message, you know, just kind of a shot in the dark. So, hey, man, you know, good plan today. And you know, he responded back right away. Like it was, you know, just like it was, you know, me texting Tommy or something like that. So, uh, you know, ever since that day, um, you know, we just kind of, you know, chit chat back and forth. And then, you know, as, as time has gone on and, you know, we just, you know, now, now we just, I mean, we talk pretty much, you know, three or four times a week, you know, I'll shoot him a message, 
you know, just to kind of ask him what's going on. Matter of fact, I, I texted him yesterday and I said, hey, have you have you heard anything about the baseball, you know, when you might get started? And he was like, no, he hadn't heard anything. So um, we talked to him about golf and stuff like that. We were trying to get him to come down here with us and hang out for a couple of days and play a little golf. But, you know, he's got a lot of things going on. And, you know, at, at a blink of an eye or a flip of a switch, he could be head back to Arizona. So, um, you know, just he's he's very humble and, and that's what I like about him. And, you know, it's he, he's a fun person to be around. Tommy, yeah. huh? no, uh, same thing. World Series. He was uh, he had signed a deal to go, and when he was going to bowl, he was going to um, bowl for Ebonite, and um, they introduced us to him. And you know, I guess you know later come to find out, he was a big fan of bowling um, back in the day, like two thousand five, two thousand six, when you know bowling was uh, was kind of like uh, really good for me. And uh, found out he was kind of a fan, but we, you know, we ended up bowling the World Series, and they introduced us to him, and then we're back in the pack, and he's like, "Hey, do you mind if I put my bowling balls here?" And we just kind of chit chatted then, and then you know he was pretty quiet and he was by himself, so he, "Hey, you guys mind if I tag along to go to dinner?" Sure, bro, no problem. And yeah. that's just kind of how it all started. I mean, like we just kind of sat around, and I mean, at this point, he was he was a, a great baseball player, but he wasn't the MVP. And, um, you know, he hasn't changed one bit to us. I mean, he still acts the same, still kind of quiet. We went down there to spring training one time, hung out. He called us in the fifth inning. Hey, let's go. We're ready. I mean, well, we're going to watch the game, bro. He's like, no, it's the fifth inning. We'll come back later. So we go eat. Where do you want to go eat? Let's go eat the Waffle House. He wants to go eat the Waffle House. And then we go back afterwards, go hang out in the locker room, play ping pong. It's just what we do. We want to talk about somebody that's competitive. That's him. And we going to talk about somebody that's good at everything. That's him. And uh, not anything I can beat him at except for golf. And that's yeah. what. And what's crazy about that, Mike, is whenever we met him in, you know, Reno, that was like the, I don't know, like his third year of his contract. So he was only making, you know, he was only making like nine hundred thousand at the time. And you know, now to see the guy, you know, make over, you know, he's obviously made over fifty million dollars the last two years. You know, he's still the same person as he was when we first met him, and you know, Cheap. he just. All he, yeah, he's very cheap. And but all he wanted to do, like like Tommy said, he just wanted to tag along. He was like, "Hey guys, you mind if I come hang out with you guys, or you know, go to dinner or something like that?" And we were like, "Bro, why do you want to hang out with the scrubs? Like, <laughs> go, go go do something cool or whatever." He was like, "No, nah, I want to hang out with you guys." So, um, yeah, it doesn't matter, man. He he's he's down to earth, and that's what I think that's what we like about him the most. So, follow up question here: Who's cheaper, Mookie or Barney? Oof. I would say they're different. Like Mookie will pay first, like get up and pay first and like not pay for everybody else. Like if you're doing something small, like, yeah, I don't know. Like if we go ride go-karts or something like that, you know, yeah. if I made $50 million and I'm paying first and there's four of us, I'm probably going to pay. But that's Mookie, whatever. Barnes, all of a sudden his bladder doesn't work. He's got to go somewhere and he'll come back. Hey, did anybody pay for me? Because he knows that the people he's with will pay for. So it's completely different. But they're both uh, they're both very similar. Yeah, I've never really been with you know. Obviously, I've hung out with Barnes a lot, but I've never like been to dinner with him. You know, I've been to dinner with Mookie several times, and he's always always picked up the tab. You know, and then I'll you know I'll just jump in there and you know pick up the tab every once in a while just to you know just to show him that I'm not just there for the free ride. But um, you know, I've never been with Barnes. All I've heard is stories. You know, so and the stories come from you know, Tommy. So they're very, very reliable. So I would probably have to say Barnes is, is, is cheap. Cheap. Either one of them ever carry cash. So like if you're ever going to split something up, don't, don't even bother. Yeah. So for, so for example, Mike, speaking about that cash thing, we take Mookie to the, um, the tournament in Louisville. Oh God. The, the Bradley. The yeah. We take, yeah, we take him, we take him there and he caught, <laughs> and he calls us up and he says, Hey guys, um, how much money should I bring? And we're like, oh, I mean, if you're going to get into the brackets, you know, whatever the entry fees, this and this, you know, just bring like a thousand dollars. So he shows up with like 400 bucks. We were like, dude, what are you like? What are you doing? And then uh, another example, he came down to Texas with me uh, last year to bowl like three, the bowl, like three tournaments around New Year's. Well, you know, in Texas, we have these things called uh, bowlers auctions. We call them butterfly events. And there was a butterfly event at one of the tournaments 
and he went for like uh, $300. Someone bid him up to like $300. So I go over to him. I was like, hey, Mook, this guy, this guy purchased you for like $300. Do you want to take half? Nah, I don't want to take half. Like, bro, okay. <laughs> Let me take half. Let me pay for you so you can have half of the action. So it's just, you know, he's... But I guess rich people, I mean, times, I mean, but, you know, he doesn't do it on purpose. That's just who he is. I mean, he comes from his upbringing. He's just uh, his dad, his mom and dad are amazing people. They, they, you know, just dad worked for the railroad. Mom worked in the the school, the, you know, in the school business, the school industry, I guess, whatever you say, education. And uh, that's just the way he is. But uh, he's a super nice guy. I've been told by C.J. Anderson, rich people don't carry cash. So I guess that's true. Like C.J. Anderson, the football player, he bowled a regional one time and he was just, he said, we were sitting around having a conversation, me and Dino and a couple of other people. He was like, yeah, rich people don't carry cash. I was like, all right, bro. <laughs> like, so I guess rich people, you know, are millionaires or whatever you want to call them. They don't carry cash. I guess not. So I've got a whole bunch to go with here. First of all, there were a couple of hilarious comments that came in. Kim said she wanted to grow up and be as cool as DJ as you were telling that story. <laughs> and then following that up, Ronnie Horton says that your stalker game is strong. And oh, yeah. uh, and and that you know that you just started, hey, can I get can I get Mookie's number? And, and yeah. you started texting them and then he responded back. And um, so that's cool. Uh, and then the other thing that I wanted to say was um, you guys gave me an opportunity. We've become friends as well, I, I think anyway. And you guys gave me the opportunity. You invited me to go to Top Golf with with you two, and Mookie was there as well. And I just wanted to share that experience. Um, it was so cool being able to play for like two and a half hours with Mookie Betts and you guys, of course. But I asked Mookie a couple of questions there that night, and I asked him. The first question I asked was, uh, you know, do you do you exchange jerseys with other players when you play against them? You know, do you do a jersey swap or anything? And he said, No, I don't do any of that. I just go out and play ball. And I thought that was really interesting that he said that, you know, because I think I'd be wanting to do some jersey swaps. And he said, you know, the only thing I do is I keep a couple of my own jerseys and I want to be able to look at them later after I retire and say, you know, this was me. This is what I did and for my kids. You know, uh, when I when I get older, you know, they'll have some things that they can have as well. And I thought that was cool. And I also asked him about baseball cards and asked him if, you know, he's got any of his own rookie cards or anything like that or if he collected other players cards. And he said, no, not at all. He just wants to seriously get out there play baseball and that's it he just wants to play baseball have a good time not have to deal with the media not have to get on social media and that's something that you guys have in common is the social media thing and just doing what you need to do and just worrying about keeping your head down and doing what you want to do hanging out with your friends and not leading such a public uh profile so i thought that was interesting and i appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to spend a few hours with mookie bets and, and getting that invite so thanks yeah, he's a big kid. I mean, he loves just to go compete. I mean, he'd go to Top Golf every every night if we would go with him. He just wants to go hang out, and he's not a big. Uh, he doesn't like being in the in the public eye. And you know, he fed the homeless the one night at like two thirty in the morning in Boston, and they made like this story out of it. And you know, it didn't surprise us that he did it, but he didn't want to make a story out of it. That's why he waited so late. He just took extra food that he had and and did things like that. But. Anytime I've asked him to do something, if I've taken friends to Bal or to Boston um, up there that want to go in the back of the monster or something like that, he's like, yeah, sure, come. I'll meet you early at the game. And, he, you know, he takes that time, and, and he's really good with kids. Um, you know, I guess those guys get hounded so much for people wanting autographs and stuff that obviously want to sell them, and I understand that. But, you know, and so he's not a big – he doesn't like signing things, but I took a bucket of baseballs one time and I said, Hey, I need you to sign these. I'm going to give them to some friends. And he's like, I'm not signing those. And I said, yes, you are. And he got on the phone and I started throwing in baseballs and, and I, you know, gave them to the people that had asked for them. And that's just the way it is. Literally we tossed them. Like he was on the phone for probably like 30 minutes, Mike and Tommy doing tossed them. Yeah. Doing an interview and Tommy tossed him like 60 baseballs and he just signed all these baseballs. And, uh, you know, yeah, so Tommy, you know, gave them out to people and stuff like that. And, you know, what's crazy is, is, is early on, like kind of when we met him, you know, um, you know, I went to, you know, obviously, you know, being in Texas and whatnot, them coming to Houston a lot. And um, I thought he was a little bit like he would always sign people's stuff. And then, you know, moving forward, you know, fast forward, you know, three or four years later, he's a little bit more. He's a little bit more tempting to sign and stuff because he doesn't like people to sell. Like if he signs something, he wants it to be for you. Like he doesn't want you to take advantage of him and go, you know, sell it on eBay or 
you know, whatever the case may be. So he's a little bit more, you know, skeptical now about signing stuff. But, um, you know, he's a, he's a cool cat. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, speaking of uh, signing things and memorabilia and, and, and that thing that a lot of bowlers don't even have to worry about because it's, the bowling isn't as big as baseball. I wish it was one day. And you guys were dealing with those same struggles in life of having to sign too many autographs. I've seen you guys sign autographs until the last person's there just because of supply and demand. And I know you guys want to give back and professional bowlers always make themselves accessible, which is one of the great things about our sport. But I, I like to get on eBay. I like to look at baseball cards and things like that. And Tommy, I found some baseball cards on eBay that you've signed, I think, for uh, for Upper Deck, maybe it was. Uh, tell us a little bit about these sports cards that are available that people can pull out of packs that you're involved with. Uh, it was one of the coolest, most annoying experiences of my life. They contacted me and they said, hey, you want to do something? We're going to pay you. I don't even remember what the number was, but it was it was a decent number to sign 2,500 baseball cards. I'm like, okay, all I got to do is sign them. Well, I didn't realize what goes into that. They send these things, and I have it all spread out. They send these specific pens. You know, you have to sign them, then you have to number them and all this other stuff. And next thing you know, you know what it takes to sign 2,500 baseball cards? Yeah. And actually have to make sure, you know, because if you're in line at a PBA tournament to get, and you're and you're the 10th guy that I'm signing a, a pitcher or something for, it's not quite the same. I'm not going to lie. It's just, it's quick. I lost the Y a long time ago. So now it's, it's really, it gets even quicker, but yeah, 2,500 uh, baseball cards. And uh, it was, uh, it was cool, but it took me about a week. Yeah. Well, I've seen these things online and uh, I'm thinking about picking up a couple of them. Do you think that your value is going to go up over time? I, after I do this, I think that I have doubled my net worth just by doing this video with you. <laughs> Mike, is that is that a lot of like what do you have there in the background? Is like is that oh, a lot yeah. of yeah? I, I've got some can of worms here that you can't close. Yeah, I've got Funkos. I got baseball cards back there. Some signed bowling pins. Some toys from when I was a kid. Some rare bowling balls. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to set up my studio here as we're just on episode number eleven, so that people can see this stuff a little bit more. But yeah, I'm just in my office and I like to collect stuff, and and you guys know that, right? Yeah. So, guys, we're about out of time today. I really appreciate the time, and we really didn't know where this one was going to go because we're all kind of buddies, all four of us. And I want to give you guys an opportunity now. Uh, you guys have a lot of people to support you and sponsors and things like that. So we'll start with DJ. Uh, who are you involved with, and, and who would you like to thank for uh, still keeping you uh, active in bowling uh, even during quarantine? Um, it's Storm Bowling has been behind me um, you know, for the majority of the last you know, seven or eight years. You know, even when I wasn't uh, on contract, I, you know, I always threw their bowling balls. And before that, I was with Hammer. Um, Brian Graham had taken me in whenever he was there. And then now he's moved on to Brunswick and I moved on to Storm. So um, Storm Bowling, um, Turbo 2-in-1 Grips, uh, they've been with me, you know, pretty much since day one. I, I've really never tried any other grips, um, you know, besides Turbo. So, uh, you know, they're keeping me, uh, keeping me going and, you know, um, I'm looking forward to kind of getting back onto the lanes. You know, I, you know, kind of, we were talking, we were goofing around earlier about, you know, me being like 90th of the points. Uh, this past year was a little struggle. Um, I started off okay, and then I had a little rut while I bowled dad because we're using urethane balls every week, which uh, was just irritating. Um, but that's a whole nother story. But uh, yeah, it was a rough year, and then it came to a, it came to a, um, a close you know, early with the, with the quarantine situation. And we only had one tournament left, but uh, you know, we're going to sweep that under the rug and kind of get ready for the next go around. So um, hopefully I get uh, picked on a, a team, um, you know, up there in Maine, because that's a, that's an awesome experience. And, you know, I've had some success in that building. So looking forward to that, if I get the opportunity and then, uh, you know, the summer swing, uh, we'll be ready to go. Tommy, how about you? Well, I think uh, <clears throat> most of you know that I've never thrown another bowling ball on tour other than uh, from Ebonite. And, uh, you know, now with the acquisition of Ebonite by Brunswick, I obviously have to thank the brands of the brands of Brunswick for the way they handled the whole situation, keeping everything uh, and letting me continue to wear an E on my chest. Uh, Vice, High Five, Genesis, you know, you guys have always been, you've been great to me. I've uh, been with you guys for many, many years and uh, hopefully I have many more to come. All right. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for coming on the program today. And we didn't even talk about dancing. We didn't talk about gambling. So we'll have to have you guys back on at another time. But uh, thanks so much for your time today. Good luck on the golf course the rest of the week. 
and uh, look forward to seeing uh, how you guys end up doing on MLB The Show 2020 against each other. The Twitch. We're, we're going to do the Twitch. You guys stay tuned. Yeah, hit us, hit us up. We'll, we'll get, hopefully you guys get that going because that'll be fun. I actually have an account on Twitch, so. Oh, can, it's uh, over, man. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us. And uh, yeah, remember, I'm available any Monday you need or any Tuesday through Friday, depending on rain. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Talk to you later. All right, Matt. So that's uh, Tommy Jones and DJ Archer today. I knew that would be a fun one. Uh, what did you take away from today's show? Uh, it's always cool to hang out with Tommy and DJ. They're hilarious. They're even funnier when you know it's not uh, necessarily PG rated. Uh, but when it's uh, it's always a good time hanging out with Tommy and DJ, and it's uh, grateful that they were able to spend some time with us on today's show. I didn't know that we were going to talk about Mookie Betts for that long. That really wasn't my intention whatsoever. But you can just see those guys' eyes light up. You know, DJ mentioned that when when he uh, met uh, Mookie, uh, that he wanted to talk about baseball and Mookie wanted to talk about bowling, and they were feeding each other back and forth. You know, I could just imagine how they how they changed subjects with each other. Yeah. And we we heard that same thing from uh, from from Burkett. Uh, and, and actually Tom Clark was telling us about how Burkett doesn't want to ever talk about baseball, just loves bowling and vice versa to anybody that he talks to. So, uh, it's pretty interesting how that is. And, you know, you can also take it, you know, you've, you've noticed over the years that sports stars in general love to be around actors and actors love to be around sports stars. And I think it's like that with sports in general as well. Yeah. And I think especially in bowling too, bowling doesn't really get meshed with, um, you know, other big time athletes from a lot of other sports very often. And so when you have the opportunity to be able to meet somebody, not only that's just a professional athlete in another sport, but is like one of the best, right? I mean, Mookie's one of the best baseball players in the world. And to be able to be not only like acquaintances with him. And I know when I said, like when I saw him at that Bradley tournament and he came up to me and he dapped me up, he's like, what's going on, Matt? And I was like, yo, Mookie knows that I exist. That's pretty crazy, right? You know, it's pretty crazy to think about. So I think it's really cool for bowlers, um, and it just speaks to more, more to the opportunities that can come out of bowling. You know, you can there are so many things that you can do with bowling, and amazing people that you can meet. And Mookie's just a, a stand-up guy; he's just so cool and so nice. So um, it's cool to see other professional athletes in our sport link up with professionals from other sports as well. I also love the competitive nature of bowlers in general, and you and I are both competitive guys. And there's just something about a bowler being an individual sport money ex- exchanging hands for entry fees or bracket money. You know, a guy like Anthony Simonson in the Simonson documentary talked about how, you know, this was the, all the money I had was in brackets. I could barely eat a cheeseburger and I had to perform to be able to eat and go home and pay my rent or wherever I was going to stay. Yep. And that's, that's a constant amongst all bowlers. It seems like, and you really see it with Tommy Jones and, and DJ, you know, those guys, I mean, they were breaking it down. Every morning we wake up, we play a three-game series. If it's one-to-one, then we go all-stars, you know, and then if it's tied again, we got to go all-stars again. And then, you know, to break down that bubble hockey game that Tommy and I had, you know, a year and a half ago, exactly the way that he broke that down to, and, and the way I set it up, knowing that, uh, you know, what the handicap was going in based off of whether or not Russia or the United States had the gears the right way. I mean, that's just that's just how we are. We are very sick people. <laughs> yeah, very detail oriented. I don't know if I would say sick, uh, but detail oriented for sure. And I think it's just, you know, it's how you how you do one thing in your life is pretty much how you do everything else. And we're going to be competitive in bowling on the lanes, and we're going to be competitive in ping pong, and we're going to be competitive in video games, and honestly, probably more so in the other things than in bowling. Like I don't know about you, but the things that I don't really do often are the things I'm not really great at, like cornhole when I'm playing cornhole against somebody, I'm screaming and yelling and I'm chirping at you and I'm doing everything that I can to win. Um, so it's really fun, you know, especially being around guys like yourself, Mike and Tommy and DJ. Um, it's just, it's really cool. Well, we're about out of time, Matt. I appreciate, uh, you coming back and doing the show again for episode number 11 here. We'll be back tomorrow with Adam Barter, which should be a great show. Can't wait. Can't wait. Adam Barter's a great dude. So Thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, head on over to InsideBowling.com. Use code IBSHOW for 15% off. I want to appreciate everybody. or We really appreciate everybody, I should say. And um, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Absolutely. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow's Tuesday. I'm starting to figure out what day it is these days. Have a good day, everybody. We'll see you later.